Hello and you're very welcome back to the Public Eye podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. My name is Sarah Travers, I'll be your host and throughout this series I'm speaking to local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain an insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. So who's my guest this week? Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by Graham Finnegan, founder of Finnegan and Son. And anybody who is in Newry will know exactly what Finnegan's Son is and the beautiful coffee and food that they serve. Graham, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about the business, Finnegan and Son are a family-centric specialty coffee shop offering a wide variety of premium coffees and an innovative and exciting menu with an emphasis on the freshest of local produce. I can definitely recommend the chowder. Sourcing products direct from farmers in the Louth, Down and Armagh areas. Finnegan and Son is not the only venture Graham has been involved in. He also established the very successful and popular Grounded Espresso Bar in 2005. So Graham, you are passionate about coffee. I am a DJ. Uh, we, uh, I opened up Grounded in 2005-2006 and at the start it wasn't so much a, a passion for coffee, it was a passion for the, the, the hospitality sector, about engaging with people and sort of building up rapport with customers. I was very aware that customers in a coffee shop would be, you know, your regular customers, a customer comes in maybe two, three times a day. So I was very aware that, you know, it had to be a genuine relationship. And it was those relationships with customers that sort of uh, spurred me on in the industry at the start. Not so much coffee, although coffee obviously was a big facet of it. Uh, it was just more recently, uh, Finnegan and Son opened up in 2015. And it was sort of, that's when the passion for action, for, for real specialty premium grade rarities in coffee came about from myself and Amory just sitting in the house and sort of exploring coffee from uh, all over the world, which was roasted by people all over the world. And I can remember getting my first subscription from a, uh, a coffee roaster in Berlin called The Barn and just getting it in and just sort of tasting all the coffee side by side and just, you know, just experiencing the range of flavours of aromas and sort of that sort of... We just, myself and Amory then thought, we want to bring this to people in your, you know, we want to let people explore these different uh, flavours that coffee can exhibit. It really has become a massive thing and I don't know about everybody else, but I find, um, you know, during lockdown, uh, the first lockdown where you couldn't get coffee anywhere and you were maybe buying the old coffee machines or whatever, there was, we just missed our cup of coffee from a cafe so, so much. We did, yeah. Well, see, I was lucky enough Myself and Amory and, and James, the aunt son, uh, we live about maybe five minutes walk for, away from here. So every day during the first lockdown from March 16th, 17th, we've walked into the town. The coffee machine was never off. Whenever we closed in the 16th, we had about 20 kilograms of coffee that was never going to be used. And over the course of that lockdown, that was gone. Myself and Amory. And then if somebody walked past the shop and popped their head in, they would get a coffee, obviously. And... You know, so we didn't miss that part. And I think that's one of the things that we, we, we're very lucky even that when it comes to a lockdown, we've still got that environment that we can go out of the home, make an espresso, make a cappuccino. And it's still lovely even to sit in your own, in your own business with your fiance and with your son going crackers and enjoying that wee bit of coffee. So sometimes it's really simple things that make, 
make things a wee bit easier, you know. I think it's all about the simple things. I think that's what we've learned so much. Um, it's not where you maybe were heading when you were, you know, at school or whatever. You're a radiotherapist by training. Yeah, well, I went to university. It's sort of, when I was 18, you know, obviously, I think whenever you're going through your life, there's different things sort of motivate you to do different uh, things at different times in your life. So whenever I was 18 and you're filling out your UCAS form and you're going through the Queen's and the Jordanstown uh, prospectus, I sort of didn't know what I wanted to do now, but at the time, whenever I was doing that, a couple of years before that, my mother had passed away from, uh, she was, um, had cancer for three years and subsequently died from it. And I encountered an awful lot of uh, medical professionals. Now at that stage, it wasn't, it was too late for me to try to go and do medicine and mm -hmm. not being derogatory towards any other sort of medical profession. But, you know, we encountered radiographers along our way and the, the help that those radiographers, those nurses, um, the, the social workers gave them my my mother and our family as a whole sort of really stuck with me. And for that reason, I, I decided, you know, I, I put radiography down on the on the UCAS form. And at the time, it was three Bs. I wasn't sitting, wasn't wasn't even sitting the three Bs at the time, but I put it down anyway because I thought, you know, I'd really like to do that. You know, I'd like to do something for a family, for a patient that that was that helped us along the way. Now it turned out. You know, I suppose sexism, it was sexism really, like, you know, the male uh, counterparts in the radiotherapy course were more or less zero at the time. Uh -huh. I got in with two C's and a D because they were heavily oversubscribed with females. No males wanted to do it. It was a predominant female. So I got into the course and it was one of only, I think, maybe four out of 100 males doing the course. So I that was in 2000 and started in 2000. Now, even in 2000, I wanted to open up a coffee shop. Right. So it was it was weird because in first year I was living beside the Empire on Cameron Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. With a couple of couple of my actually Barry from Groundedly, he lived with me while we were at university, uh, and I set in place a six year plan. So the plan was always to go and finish my four year university course. I was going to use the buy and property market to get uh, money to open up a shop. Okay. I knew that I could get a job because again, the re radiotherapy departments in Belfast City uh, and Derry were already being talked about. Uh, and I knew that after six months, I was able to get a mortgage. And at those days, you know, it's, things were pretty different there. You didn't have to jump through hoops to get mortgages. So how old were you then? I was about 21. That's incredible. That yeah. entrepreneurial spirit was there. Where did that come from? I have no idea. Well, my <laughs> see, my dad, my dad was a great man. He is a great man. He, he had the first video, sh video shop in Newry. Uh, he had a video yeah. shop. It was out the back of our house. He used to go to the cash and carries, buy sweets. Oh, Jesus. He used to buy anything. He used to sell anything. You know, uh, loose cigarettes. <laughs> oh, it was deadly. It was deadly. A, a, a very typical housing estate uh, news agent and, and shop. So I think that's maybe where it came from. Um, but as I say, Barry, who I live with, who now manages Grounded Over Newry, he was a business studies student. And I used to take his business studies books when I should have been probably doing physiology and anatomy and, yeah. and reading about how x-rays impact the skin and the bones. I was reading about SWOT analysis and I was doing SWOT analysis in cafes on Botanic Avenue before I knew what a SWOT analysis was. Really? So I probably should have been studying more because I, I, you know, I got through my, my, uh, I got through my degree course. Now I didn't, ex I did, it wasn't amazing at the theory behind it. But you passed. But I passed it. And I got a job in um, Beaver Park Hospital, which is outside Belfast. That's where the cancer centre used to be. And I was there whenever it moved into the city, into the Northern Ireland Cancer Centre to City Hospital. And I have to say, even though the theory side of it and the sitting exams and stuff, it was the people 
It was the interaction with patients. It was working as a team. It was, you know, radiotherapy, you know, everybody used to ask me, what was it like working in in the cancer centre? It must be pretty grim. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I've never met a group of people, patients who are more together. The the scene with combineness is nearly, it's not a cultish, but it's like a sort of a, a real resilience and positive mental attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets people through an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it, was, it was that. And you get to meet patients during a five-week, six-week course of treatment. And every single day, you get a wee bit more of them. Mm-hmm. And you give a wee bit more of yourself to them. And by the end of it, you know, your friends. You know, I still see people in your here who have treated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're getting on. And, and it, it, is, it's, it was that side of the job that I really, really loved. And it's that side of the job that I bring to hospitality. I I was just going to say that. I mean, that's customer service too. So you know know that you want to be treated by other human beings the way you want you know, you you would treat other people. That is absolutely at the core of everything that we should do. Um, Losing your mum at such a young age, how do you think that's made you the the man you are today? So I don't really know. You know, what's that? It's maybe... I can't think of it, 17, 18 years ago. I'm not even too sure anymore. It just sort of, it's there. And you sort of get on with it. It's sort of, you know, obviously, it's very, like, modern life's very, very tricky because you could, when you're a business owner, when you're when you're at the coalface, in the scenario of a pandemic where you're trying to firefight, what's, hospitality's firefighting anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting by, you're getting money in the till, and you're getting it out to the people who are asking for it quicker. Mm-hmm. And they're getting paid. So it is, it's firefighting and you're very busy. And, you know, uh, even even with life and you get a son and, you know, your family sort of just seems to shift on and things take different priorities. Obviously, you think of your parents and your mo- your mother and that loss that you've had there. But, you know, you you be resilient, you get stronger, you sort of, uh, you know, you do things for different people. You do things to make people proud and sort of that would push you on an awful lot as well. Like, for example, the coffee shop thing. I remember t- t- saying to my daddy, you know, I want to open up a coffee shop and, you know, he, he didn't, he wasn't negative about it, but him going, oh, would you not just stick in your job there? You know, you get a pension and all, you're working in for the NHS, you know, I was getting £22,000 or whatever, whenever I was literally out of university six months, I didn't know myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in hindsight, probably would have been better off, but, um, but you do know, you feel that that, that that wasn't right for you? No. Well, the At job the was lovely. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I think, I think if you... I probably would have been in middle management now. I probably wouldn't even been dealing with patients now at the minute. I'd probably would have a suit and a lanyard and walking around a hospital and flashing. Now, that wouldn't be me at no. all. Now, I think it depends on what motivates you. What motivates me now at the minute is really selling the best possible product that I could possibly sell, be it coffee, be it the meat that we use in burgers, be it the, we would do a five-course taste menu on a Saturday night before the pandemic hit in. You know, we were sort of, we were really, we were trailblazing, trailblazing in the area. We were sort of, we were getting escargot in from one of five snail farmers in Ireland. We were getting, you know, caviar, uh, trout caviar, that's uh, you know, organic, wild hare, wild Goodness. rabbit, everything. You know, you sort of really, you know, and those sorts of things. And again, like I have a cafe in there and we can seat 35 people in it, a five-course taste of menu. Two seats of it is profit because we don't we don't sell beers or wine or then so you're making eighty pound profit if you fill all the seats. But you know what? It was really fun. Was it, it was it was amazing. It was class giving somebody that experience. And uh, yeah. But you were never going to be a millionaire. No. Right. No. We I'd be, funny. I was chatting to a guy, a, a local guy as well, who's getting into making gelato. 
and he was putting out these lovely pistachio flavor, you know, pistachio and seasonal fruit gelatos, and they're amazing. Now, I sit and go on them, you know, you'll probably have to buck a load of Oreos in that there if you want to sell to probably 95% of the population. And he's, he's going, but I don't want, you know, it, it's the, about yeah. the person, about, you have to know where your business is and who your market is. Like I can put out a bogey breakfast, greasy breakfast for a couple of quid, but I don't want to do that mm-hmm. because I want people to really enjoy it. But can you provide good locally sourced food and keep the cost down? Isn't that doable? Well, again, it's it, it's if you look at things from a cost perspective. So, for example, I don't because I wouldn't go over to Willie Bird and say to him, Willie, your sausages are lovely, but I don't want to pay that price yeah. for them because he has to get what he has to get. Yeah. And it's it's whenever you appreciate and you sort of value other people's work that they put into the product before that, that's when the cycle's complete mm-hmm. and that's when it becomes sustainable. Because if Willie's putting out lovely Armagh pork sausages, Low price, he's not going to do it anymore. And what will happen then is revert back to. So pre lockdown, um, what were your customers telling you? Were they queuing out the door for this? Yeah, the, you, you know, for example, the five course tasting menus we were booked out every week. Right, so the market six, was there six, seven weeks in advance. Oh my goodness, right. You know, so it was it was sought after, and not only that, six, seven weeks in advance, all the money was paid for because we we took payment before even people sat down. They didn't even get to see a menu. They got to see the menu that evening when they sat down to think. So if the the got out and go, if they get in and seen the menu goes I don't really like <laughs> a duck or I don't really like hair or rabbit you know it was too bad you know they've signed up to that part of experience but with that sort of with the concept we had we only attracted those people who were food focused and who were who were and that's not to be snobby because I think I remember opening up Finnegan and Son and a guy walked past me and we were, I'd be talking about fancy coffees, whatever, and he, he said, oh, you're gentrifying Kildare Street. <laughs> I went to myself, you know, I, I know what gentrification is. I goes, but just because you're from Uri and you, you view yourself as being a working class man doesn't mean that you do not deserve uh-huh. the best of a product. Did you find that, th- was it just him? Or did, I I, think did a few people him. say? I think it just him. just said a wee... Are we chipping Are we the shoulder? Chipping a shoulder yeah. about me. I don't know what the crack is, but... And you were happy with your choices and that, yeah. that was what Nuri needed. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or email us at inquiries at granitelegalservices.co.uk today. Then, Flip, we have a global pandemic. How has that been for you? Do you know what? Initially, we, we closed the Finnegan Sun and grounded on the 16th of March and the first two weeks were scary because you were sitting going, oh my goodness, the electric bills are still coming in. I had suppliers phoning me up on the 17th looking to know, here, no, we would like that money that is due to us in a couple of weeks' time now. I was very, we were very focused on, okay, we've just done a week's work. The staff are going to need wages next week. And I'll to, be, to, be, to be quite honest, on the 16th, my objective was to have the five £6,000 in my bank account on the Sunday so that I could pay the staff. After that first week, there was nothing. There was no cash. 
you know, and and we 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 went on for as long as we got the first week, and then the, the Lion Week obviously paid back. After that, then furlough was announced, but it wasn't. We weren't getting paid the the grants until it was retro- yeah. until it got yeah. set up. So the staff went went for a period five six weeks without actually having anything. Myself and Amory were in Tesco. This was maybe about six, seven, eight weeks into uh, the the first lockdown, and we were in Tesco. And we were Amory's a director of Finnegan's Son. I'm a director of Grounded. So we don't we weren't really on the payroll. Right. Uh, so so right. we didn't get we weren't entitled no, to anything. There was nothing for directors of companies. So uh, we were in Tesco, and we had eleven pounds sixty in the bank account. Oh no! And that was it. Like. There was nothing, and you've got to feed a seven-year-old. Yeah, there, there was nothing. So we went, we just literally looked at the the, mon, the Monzo and went here. We have to do something. So we literally decided we're going to open up for takeaway coffees and grind it. Amory's going to get to making donuts um, straight away. This was eleven pound sixty. I sort of made uh, ways into getting a website built. Now I did, again, I didn't have any money for to get a website built. But a friend of mine who um, I knew from Belfast, a guy called Ryan Crown, he was working in New York at the time as a, a graphic designer. And I sent him out going, can you Help. do me a website? Yeah. Um, and he told me how much he usually charges. And I go, well, to be honest, I haven't got anything. I owe you. I haven't time. got anything here. So he was very good, got the website up within a week. And we started selling the coffee that we, ha- we had. We kept on ordering coffee. So how did the the website work for you then? Did people order before they arrived? Well, or this this was literally for retail coffee. For retail so this coffee. was see, this sorry. was this was um, so basically we would have went through maybe 50, 60 retail bags of coffee in the shop mm-hmm. for customers gotcha. just taking home. So what we wanted to do was keep our customer instead of them going and finding some other outlet to get their coffee beans off. We created it for them. Wow. Now it was good. It was the first three four weeks. It was great because I got the money to pay around for the website. Yeah. Which was lucky enough because yeah. if, if nobody bought coffee, I don't know what he would have. <laughs> oh, so it's still chasing me. Yeah, but, but that was great. And uh, I mean, then what happened? I mean, did 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 the retail side keep going? Was it good for you? It was. Uh, it was good. It was. Good. It, it kept me busy. Yeah. It kept me. Right. I had to keep on buying coffee. I got to do it. I kept on. But I loved to do buying coffee, getting it in, tasting it, and then shipping it out to people. I felt as if I had purpose. Now, I have to say that during the lockdown, it was Amory and our donut making skills and our baking skills that sort of kept the business afloat. We were selling maybe 400 donuts pre order every single week. So we had the cash and we could see, you know, it, it was amazing. Whenever you get £11.60 into your bank account or in your bank account and you're sitting going, oh my God, I have control over what happens here in the future. Uh, you moving forward. Whenever you see a fifteen pound sale off a website going into your directly into your bank account, it makes it really tangible. Mm. It makes you really appreciative of not only the customer that is supporting you because it, you know, look, they did people supported you. The people bought donuts. They didn't want. But donuts. there was no hair or less cargo on the menu. There was no hair. There was no nothing. No. Uh, but um, so yeah, the donuts kept us going, grounded. Uh, with Grounded, we made a, a, we just paired everything back. So whereas we would normally have six, seven staff on a day, two people in the kitchen, we paired that right back to what one. What did you do, furlough? Or we did you have to let we people f- go? We, no, we didn't let anybody go, thankfully. Right. We furloughed everybody and just as we sort of organically grew the takeaway business with Grounded and Finnegan and Son, we sort of just stepped it up to the point now where I think there's maybe one person, two people maybe on furlough from Grounded and Finnegan's Summer all back. Pretty impressive. Um, 
What's the biggest lesson it's taught you? I think, you know, it, it's very important not to, not to waste money, you know, and be appreciative. And, you know, if, if what, what I do now, what I find now is uh, I look at different parts of the business. And I, I'll give you an example. During lockdown as well, we started up uh, a food takeaway business uh, called Solo Burrito. So it was a delivery and a collection only burrito, sort of a boojum sort mm. of thing, Majiggy. Now, uh, it's good. Yeah. It was brilliant that, uh, during the lockdown. You know, again, whenever there was an extended lockdown, there was a demand built up. And uh, again, you couldn't get burritos in Uri. No. So people were sort of Something keen for different, it. Something different, yeah. Different for it. Now, it's sort of, it's slackened off a wee bit again mm -hmm. because ground had opened up partially again and other different people... I don't know, people can eat a Chinese every couple of nights, but they can't eat a burrito every couple yeah. of nights. It's, it's funny. But, you know, at the minute it makes a few hundred pound a week. Mm -hmm. And we're just sitting going, oh, is it worth our while doing it? And you're just going, well, it is worth our while doing it because even if we make 20 pound a week, over the course of a year, it's it's still, mm -hmm. it's a thousand pound on the, you know. And it's, it is it's the kind of thing that you could start up and stop yeah. easily as well. It is, it's yeah. not too bad. And it lends itself. And, it, and again, one of the things that we've we, we done it for is, is, is getting as many staff back as possible. So our objective isn't to make loads of money at the minute. Our objective is to get people back into work and, and so that they're, because you, you'd be very aware that, you know, your staff, some of them can't live in furlough because they maybe are renting a house and you're, you're, you're very aware that these people do not want to be in furlough. They want to work as much as they can. And so what can we do? So our objective isn't so much as, as our bottom line, but it's about, it's about helping the, the people that we work with. It's the health, mental health yeah. as well, isn't it? Big Having time. a purpose. Um, I think it was easy in the, in the, in, at the early stages when the weather was nice, but so different in it's the winter a bit time. Now, yeah. um, has it tested you, do you think, as a, as a person, this whole lockdown? Do you know what? I, I shouldn't be saying this to you, Sarah, but I, I find that it ha it hasn't, Nobody's and I and I turn okay. off I turn off the news an awful lot now. And I think whenever you turn off the the news, you know the, the anxieties that are about during a pandemic you don't experience, and you sort of, you know, I loved walking down here with Amory and James in the summertime. I love just like the street out here where we are here. We played football in that street. There wasn't, it wasn't a car. It was Did amazing. Right. We played, we were on scooters and bikes up and down things. There wasn't a soul in the, in the town centre and it was absolutely gorgeous. It you was amazing. You got that inner kid again. Yeah, it was brilliant. And like we d have to say, we did really enjoy it. We enjoyed doing everything that everyone else we actually we didn't bake at home actually like everyone else. We sort of <laughs> took a break from that. But yeah. you know, we enjoyed just, we enjoyed doing nothing and being with each other. And I was, you know, I think as a team, as a unit, as a family, we were very, you know, whenever there's a lockdown announced, we don't be, we don't be down in the dumps about it. Like we sit and go, well, you know, there's positives here. Like, you know, I've got that fence to fix or I've got, you know, there's plenty to be done. Or just to spend time with your son. Yeah. I mean, how difficult was it to, to spend time with your son before? No, well, it, it like, if you come into Finnegan's son, like he, he's here. Like, oh. <laughs> he's there. Like, it's, he's, it's, it's just, he's on the counter. It's not, you know... He is the son, and he's he literally is the son. there. He's there it's all be the son time. And Finnegan, really. You know, for a lot of people, you know, specialty coffee people can view as pretentious, and I get that. You know, you go into a place and there's somebody with with, with silly dark rim glasses and a big curly <laughs> beard and all, and they're talking about this and they're filtering coffee, and and it can be a bit off putting. In Finnegan's son, you do not get that. Right. You might get the most amazing cup of coffee in that cup, but you might have a wee fella firing a paper or playing around the shop, uh -huh. which would put many people off. 
but it doesn't matter because that is the essence and that is the foundation of our business and that is why the business was set up in the first place it sort of it we set it up myself and Amory and we don't care if James gets into it we don't care if James gets into coffee making now he's got an amazing palate he'll taste coffees and he'll be able to describe it now he's not describing lychees or he's not describing exotic fruits but he'll say it's that tastes like fruit pastels or that's his like mm-hmm. fruit shoot it's whatever he yeah. sort of things that um, correlates it with but the business is for him and if he doesn't get into coffee that's fine if he doesn't get into hospitality that's fine but if he realises and appreciates uh, work ethic and applies it to anything else that he does in life well then that's us happy Is that the way you were with your dad? I, do, I, I can't remember Is there Finnegan I, and Son there, going on well, there could have been. Yeah, well, like, I do remember getting pushed around the wee cash and carry on Martin's Quay on the wee trolley you know it was good I, I enjoyed Saturday cash and carry day it was fair to say does James know that he's the son on he the does side? yeah yes. he does unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> like he, he he's a laugh he, he would go into the kitchen you know he goes Callum you're fired you know <laughs> does not he's, uh, he comes across as a wee Gordon agent, like, but he, he's he's uh, he's very good now he is he's very polite and it, it, you know it, it, you did uh, he is he's very good and he's an attraction you know and it, and it I think sometimes for other people with families and with kids they feel maybe a bit afraid to go into a cafe in case their son or daughter cracks up oh I know but you're allowed to crack up in there within reason well, within that sounds reason. great I wish that had been around uh, when my son was uh, small he used, he used to be a nightmare crawling around under other people's tables yeah. and th- we didn't go out for a long time um, he's a bit of an entrepreneur already I think has he got a clothing line he has but well he ha- not not so much a clothing line but he, he, he's mental in the drawing he loves drawing he will spend hours and hours and hours every single day drawing uh and I just got him, we were sitting in the shop, it was during lockdown one time, he goes, hey, draw me a wee Aeropressor and V60 there. So he drew them on a piece oh. of paper. And I thought, these are great, these would be amazing t-shirts. So we got them put on the uh, t-shirts and we got, 50, we got 50 t-shirts done and we sold them for £20 each. And wow. the money is in his, and he was great at selling. He was doing, he was guilting people in the van t-shirts at, at tables and all. And people came in for a coffee and they left with a, a t-shirt that they may or may not have wanted. <laughs> but they're cool t-shirts. He's, he's, he's uh, he he puts an awful lot of pressure on himself when he is drawn. If he doesn't get it right, right. He's, he's Where does he get that from? I don't know. Like <laughs> he he just kicks up. It's not right. He scrumples the page. It's it's, it's gone. Like perfectionist. You know. Perfectionist. But then whenever we did sell the t-shirts, whenever I asked him to do it again, he thinks it's work, so he doesn't want to do it anymore. Oh, which is he's which on is to pretty the next thing. Which is pretty much like me. I don't mind. I love working in the shop, but not if I'm on the road. If I'm not meant uh. to be working, I love working. But not when you're told you when have I'm, to when work. When I'm told, when I'm when I'm when I know that I can't leave here before four o'clock, I, I, it, it it bugs me. Could you ever work for anyone else? I don't think so. It's mm. you'd I, be a difficult employee. No, well, I wouldn't. I would be very yeah. I'd be constantly late. Yeah. I would be. You know, it's funny because uh, punctuality is something that in the staff and the people that work with me, I use. It bugs me if they if they are late <laughs> by a minute. I go, what you, it's, you start work at nine o'clock? Why are you not here? Because it's only ten. I know, but you have to be ready before nine. Like, whereas you know, how do you choose your staff? Then what are the criteria? What do you look for? With with regards to grounded and uh, Jessica told me I couldn't curse. With regards to grounded and Finnegan and Son, you know, people are the most important thing in the hospitality business. I always I always say that I'd rather go into somewhere with a substandard product and a really friendly team than somewhere with amazing product and a rude and obnoxious mm. team mm. 
So whenever we're taking on staff, whenever we're interviewing staff, we obviously interview them. You try to find out what type of person it is. You can't find that out in an interview because people lie in interviews. We give them a, a, a couple of hour uh, trial trial period. Now, whatever, whenever anybody comes to us and they have no experience in hospitality, which is the case now because you've got people who are now le- leaving the jobs maybe they had five, six years having to try something new. So whenever they come to us, you know, if they have no experience, I always say, well, do you know what? In a week's time, if you work somewhere, you'll have experience. But if you're an absolute, you can't curse. If you're an ab- if you're grim, yeah. if you're rude, Perfect. if you're not approachable, mm-hmm. in a week's time, you're still going to be like that. Yeah. Your words. If you're a nice person, with with a bit of help, with hard work, in a week's time, you've Doesn't got experience you've and you're lovely. All the cups yeah. And Do you know what I mean? It's 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 all about that. It's about people's approach. Let's talk about Newry and the future of Newry because presumably um, when you set up Grounded and Finnegan and Sons, Newry was a different place. Yes, there were issues with the high street. There were issues with, with you know, new shops. Um, but you're right next to Granite Exchange, which are shared office space here. Great for customers. With the pandemic and whether we need the bricks and mortar places, are people going to keep coming in? How do you see your business going forward? It's it's a funny one. Like 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 the the, the tenants here, Granite Exchange, and you had a local first derivatives was which was a big employer, and the offices even solicitors. Like around here, you would have solicitors and accounts accountants and stuff. Now, for the most part, they're now working remotely, which is bad for us because they're your perfect customer. Yeah. The, the FD wants the guys nipping in for a £2.50 coffee. There's no labour for us involved in it. They're not sitting in. There's dough. You don't have to fuss after them clean around. That's the perfect customer is coming in for you 30 seconds and nipping on. Now, we don't have that at all. What's, I think, the advantage of Newry over the places like Belfast and Dublin is is that we're more community-focused. In, in, in not in, in that the city centre is the centre. It, it touches all the housing states, all the housing developments, whereas in Belfast, they're out down south, the, the west Belfast. So there's no, our town centre is the heart of the actual whole area, mm-hmm. which is good for us. But um, moving forward, I don't, I can't, I can't see that that's going to come back very quickly. I don't think we're going to see loads. Of, yeah, I don't think we're going to see loads of FD guys coming in to for their takeaway coffees or working in their offices. Um, I think we're just going to have to sort of diversify. And again, it's about it's back to aspects of the business where you're maybe making you know, £100 a week, all those £100 are going to have to make up for that shortfall that we're going to experience. I mean, it's been a, an unprecedented time and, you know, your sector has been really badly hit. Um, and I wish you every success and I'm sure that your agility that you've shown already will come to the fore again and whatever needs to be done will be done. But that perhaps, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. No. Do you feel impressed with yourself the way you've been able to think outside the box and get through? Well, I think, you know, it's 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 again what motivates you and why you're why you're doing things like and you're sort of, you know, our objective in doing things now is to keep our business in people's heads. That's it. Um, and whenever you find novel ways of doing it, or you, you know, for the most part, you're copying and pasting from what you see in the industry other places in the world or in the country yeah we we sort of yeah again the first lockdown was great the second one was good is this the second one 
third one? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it is, it sort of, it, it makes you more resilient. Uh, it makes you try new things. The whole, uh, the whole e-commerce side of things, uh, I never thought a cafe needed it. And I find now that it, it's, it's great. And I'm, for the future of my business, I'm putting an awful lot of effort in the getting product on that website that you cannot get anywhere else. Um, you know, we've got up on six, seven different coffee roasters from Auckland, New Zealand, North Carolina in America, Rotterdam, Berlin, Oslo, London, wow. Galway, <laughs> Belfast. You know, we sort of, and again, obviously it's important to shop local. And a few people have said to me, oh, you're not getting local coffee roasters in. I'm saying, going, I know, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to carve a niche for myself. I don't, I, I don't want a product that you can get everywhere. I want a product that is very, very unique to us. Um, sort of, I want our shop to sort of spearhead that, and it has done to a certain extent specialty coffee in the Newry, in the greater Newry area. Now, the purpose of this podcast, and I ask these questions to every single guest, um, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs out there. What advice would you give people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether or not the risk is worth taking? See, I, I, I but with the business idea, it's, it's mental, right? Because I've opened a couple of few businesses, closed a few businesses, but I still get business ideas that are completely outside uh, what I'm doing right now. And I don't know how to, I still don't know how to execute them or how to follow them up. And I give you, and I usually, I usually actually do, sound it off James to see what he thinks of it like um so I think I think you, you I remember reading a book one time when I was starting up uh, Grounded and it said in this book I think it was the guy who opened O'Brien's Brody O'Sweeney Brody Sweeney he said if it's a good idea you should wake up the next morning and still think it's a good idea and if that's the case you should you should go with it now it's important as well to know if the area like for example I set up Grounded in Newry because I'm from Newry and I love Newry. Now, in 2006, when we opened up Grounded, there wasn't a market for it. It wasn't, Newry wasn't ready for a place where you went and had a coffee and a chat. You know, back in 2006, and I think from, for people outside of Newry, uh, listening to this in Belfast, you think, oh my God, like, they didn't know what a coffee was back then, you know, but we didn't, like, we didn't in Newry. And people went to a cafe because of a need for feeding, for 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 a function, like yeah. they went because they fuel. were hungry. Yeah, fuel, not for an earwag or a chinwag. They didn't do that. For the coffee culture. Yeah, so you know, it's it's important to know your market, and then it's important to stick to it. I opened up grounded in two thousand six, November thirteenth. Uh, we opened up to ten o'clock every night, uh, because I wanted to. That was my USP from the outset. Now, and that was that was unusual. That was a very coffee unusual. Shop open yeah. at night. So from four o'clock to ten o'clock, I would have no customers in the shop. And this was for approximately a year and a half. Now, I was open. that stubborn. I stood in it. <laughs> I, I stood in the shop uh, wiping tables that didn't need wiped. Uh, absolutely stress balled out because people were looking money. It was one of those things, you know, you thought this is going to work. And like we encountered so many. We had a beautiful white floor and grounded it when we opened. I poured concrete floor. I don't know who talked me into doing that because it was me. I had to scrub it every night. But I remember we I didn't have enough money to pay the guy who done it. I, it was four and a half thousand pounds or something for this floor. I paid him a thousand or whatever. And he came in the shop and they go, scream, I need that money. Uh. Or else I'm going to come in and dig this floor up. <gasps> and I went, flip me. You know, if you do that, I'm definitely going to have no customers. No. And sort of, uh, again, it's back to being resilient. Did you and pay back, him back, Graham? Everybody get, everybody get paid. Good. But again, 
you know the market and know that there's a market out there for your product. And if there's no market out there, you absolutely have to make that market. And with Grounded and with Finnegan's done, like nobody was interested in, in spending uh, £25 a bag of coffee until we opened. And we're still working at it. We're still trying to develop that market and we're still trying to attract people into Newry for that unique product. What about the opening till 10 o'clock? Yeah, well, we opened at 11 midnight now. Open at five o'clock in the we morning. We caught up eventually. And yeah, well, this is thank it. Thank goodness for you. Yeah, this is it. Thank goodness for you. It has been an absolute joy talking to you today. Um, good luck with Finnegan and Sons. Good luck with Grounded. And maybe with the clothing range that's coming yeah, back. Jeans, that that yeah. could be the next idea. So brilliant to talk to you today. Um, thanks, folks, also for joining us uh, wherever you are. And join me for the next episode coming up soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.